Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ukraine Up to Date, the podcast by Promote Ukraine. This is Roman, and a little bit about me is that I'm from France, and I'm an undergraduate student at McGill University in Canada. I joined Promote Ukraine as an intern about two months ago, and I'm recording this during my last week. I wanted to talk about what I've experienced, contributed to, and observed so far. I've not seen the whole of the organization because there are 10 working groups now and the organization is getting to pretty impressive scale. But I will talk about the advocacy working group because that's the one I was part of. So the advocacy team of Promote Ukraine is volunteer-based, just like the rest of the organization actually. So everyone has true and genuine motivation to do what is best for Ukraine and its cause. Also, a lot of the members are experts, and I think the knowledge, skill, and motivation of its members are a key resource for Promote Ukraine. This is a civil society organization, so it's driven bottom-up. This means that during advocacy group meetings, for example, the ideas discussed and the decisions made all come from initiatives by the Ukrainian civil society, the activists, and the volunteers. Some of the activities of Promote Ukraine's advocacy group are directed towards international organizations, mainly the European Union. As it's based in Brussels, Promote Ukraine is exactly in the right city to do that. The office is in the European Quarter, which is a 10-minute walk away from the European institution buildings, such as the Parliament, the Council, and the Commission, which makes it very easy to go there and protest. Manifestations are a tool used a lot by the advocacy group to convey their message, not only to European leaders and delegates, but Belgians as well. For example, June 23rd was the day the European Council met up to make the decision on candidate status for Ukraine, and we were protesting in front of the building. There was a lot of emotion in the volunteers' speeches and messages to European leaders. There was also a lot of Ukrainian singing, and people were wearing traditional Ukrainian clothing or wrapping themselves in Ukrainian and European flags. There were children present as well, and it was a very moving event to experience especially because it was on a historical day. However, manifestations are not the only way the advocacy group found to communicate their ideas and requests. Their message is now also being enunciated inside the European institutions themselves and not only outside of the building. For example, recently, Marta Berandi, who was the founder and chairwoman of Promote Ukraine, gave a speech during a plenary session of the European Economic and Social Committee. I was sitting in the room with Vasil, who is the head of the humanitarian aid group of Promote Ukraine and is another volunteer. Marta is very eloquent and a great public speaker. She proudly presented the organization and then gave reasons why Ukraine needs the candidate status and why it would become in the future a great member and partner to work with on Europe. Um, she pushed the seven main reasons why that was true. You can find the link to the infographic 
with these seven reasons in the description of this episode of the podcast. And in the end, the committee voted for a resolution which included a recommendation to the council to grant Ukraine a candidate status, and it passed um, with an overwhelming majority. As you probably already know, Ukraine did obtain candidate status on June 23rd. So from now on, the new goal is to quickly start the negotiations within the EU to recognize Ukraine's reforms as meeting the Copenhagen criteria. The working group will also look at ways of communicating Ukraine's progress and achievements to Belgians. And another thing regarding Europe's support for Ukraine, the organization Promote Ukraine was given Station Europe, which is a building right by the parliament, to host the Ukrainian Civil Society Hub to meet and discuss ideas. In addition to the European Union, advocacy is directed towards member states as well. The team has been organizing meetings with ambassadors of countries that are part of the EU, such as France and Austria, as well as non-European countries like Thailand. These were the embassies that the advocacy group visited during June. As I've mentioned before, I'm French, and I've been lucky to participate in the discussion in the French embassy. And that was a crazy experience for me to see, first of all, a diplomat in action because I'm an international relations student. And second of all, a government official from my own country. And the way he was representing France to my Ukrainian friends, and as well as the two other interns who are Canadian and American. It gave me an insight on the functioning of French government officials. The point of these meetings is to keep the Ukrainian narrative going in Europe, amongst the civil society, as well as within government offices. Ukraine's interests and requests need to be pushed so it can get support to win the Russian war, rebuild itself, and join the EU. One of the main requests, for example, is a oil embargo from Europe to isolate and weaken the Russian economy to stop the financing of their warfare. It is also important to keep the narrative going in countries that are not part of the EU because some of these have a population that needs Ukrainian grain to feed themselves and consequently they are also affected by the war. On a smaller scale, it is also important to advocate towards businesses and corporations who are also significant actors in contemporary war. Lukoil is a major oil company in Belgium. The advocacy group is demanding that it leaves the Russian market and stop selling Russian resources because it fuels war. If not, it demands that the company shuts down its petrol stations or at least scales down its activities in Belgium as it keeps feeding the Russian war machine. Other clusters in Brussels that the working group is trying to influence are theaters. Indeed, in fall, there is a season of Russian culture and ballet, for example. The reason these performances need to be disabled is because this country has, since centuries, been 
hateful and brutal towards other nations, especially Ukrainians, in their actions, literature, art, etc. So the culture cannot really be detached from the military aggression happening right now. The culture is hostile to Ukrainians because that's how it has been shaped during its history, especially with the omnipresent Russian propaganda. The last level at which the advocacy working group operates is the individual level. The goal is to increase awareness and sensitize Belgians and Europeans in general to the issue of Ukraine. For example, regarding Lukoil again, to call for a boycott on an, on an individual level because the company is financing the Russian invasion. One among many actions was placing pictures covered up by black plastic bags with different oil company logos on each of them. When someone ripped off the plastic bag, the photo was revealed and you could see horrible pictures of war crimes and Ukrainians that had suffered the violence of the war. Keeping demonstrations up is important as Ukraine and the war are getting gradually less present in newspaper headlines. In a recent demonstration in a busy neighborhood in Brussels, protesters were dressed as civilians and walking around with Brusseliers, and as a siren sound played, they dropped to the ground. And the point of this action was to speak out against the, quote, Ukrainian summer. If Ukrainians try to go shopping, go for a walk, etc., just live their lives as innocent civilians, just as Brussels are doing, they risk being blown to bits like in a mall in Kremenchuk recently. Instead of just regular protesting, Promote Ukraine volunteers come up with new and creative ways to give public demonstrations to keep people's and media's attention and interest. Media is key in advocacy as it forms public opinion and civil servants slash state action. Obviously, demonstrations are also the demonstrations group's job, but all working groups are interconnected and interdependent to function. The demonstration group needs the advocacy group to define final goals, and the advocacy group needs the demonstration group to organize manifestations like get approval from the police, get equipment, get people to show up, and other logistics. Actually, individual members of the organization depend on each other as well in a similar way. For example, if one member has more knowledge resources and another more time resources. They both depend on each other to act and to make their aspirations tangible. I wish I could elaborate on the other working groups of Promote Ukraine. I'm part of the advocacy group because it made the most sense given my studies and my personal interests. All the other teams are also doing an amazing job like raising funds for medical equipment and military aid to be sent to Ukraine. Promote Ukraine is also, for example, connecting Ukrainian refugees with Brusseliers that are willing to share their homes and give them shelter. In May, the cultural center of Promote Ukraine opened, offering dancing therapy, psychotherapy, painting, language courses, 
and more. There also is an incubation program for Ukrainian entrepreneurs who want to start up their business locally in Belgium. And this is the end of this episode of Ukraine Updates, the podcast by Promote Ukraine. If you want to know more about us, please check out our website, promoteukraine.org, and our Facebook page at Promote Ukraine. Bye, and see you soon. Mm-hmm.